Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. During this holiday week, we are replaying some of our greatest hits. Today's show is from the kitten lady, Hannah Shaw. If you enjoy this replay, feel free to check out part two of the show at episode number 86. Have a wonderful and safe holiday season, and we'll be back on January 3rd, 2017 with new and exciting shows. Please feel free to reach out to me with any comments at stacy at communitycatspodcast.com. Take care. <coughs> Hannah is a dedicated animal advocate with a focus on cat protection, particularly orphaned kittens. Shaw has rescued hundreds of orphans and trained thousands of advocates about innovative approaches to the protection of cats. Her project, Kitten Lady, rescues and advocates for orphans, provides training to animal shelters, and reaches over 200,000 people on social media every day with instructional videos and inspiring information about how to save kittens' lives. Shaw's personal mission is to create a global change in the way we perceive and treat animals, especially the tiniest and most vulnerable felines, orphaned kittens. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Can you just tell us how you got started in animal welfare? Well, it starts so long ago. I actually became an animal advocate as a young kid. I was 12 years old when I made the decision to become vegetarian. And, you know, I I started to really heavily identify with animal advocacy. You know, I was 15 when I decided to become vegan. Um, And a lot of my early animal advocacy was just rooted in caring about farm animals and caring a lot about circus animals, things like that. I grew up in New York City, so I wasn't exposed to cat and dog issues as much as a kid. Um, I, you know, I loved pigeons and squirrels. And we had a couple kittens when I was a kid that unfortunately my mom did not not keep, uh, which was awful. That's another story. But, you know, I didn't grow up a cat person. When I was in my early 20s, I moved to Philadelphia and I found my first orphan kitten. Um, I was walking down the street and I looked up and saw in a treetop this little tiny kitten. And I thought to myself, I know I'm not looking at a kitten in that tree. Is this a thing? There's kittens in trees? Like, what is this? (laughs) So I looked up and I was like, okay, I had had this whole history of animal advocacy. I had been doing protests and leafleting and all of this stuff. My first job outside of college was at PETA. Um, So I was an animal advocate already, but I had no involvement in the cat world. But I saw this kitten in a tree and I knew I wanted to help her. So I uh, I actually borrowed a stranger's shoes because I was in flip-flops <laughs> and I climbed the tree, which is probably the beginning of a really crazy story for me. You know, I climbed this tree, I put the kitten in my shirt, shimmied down and then said, oh my God, what am I supposed to do now? I don't, I have no idea. Just through trial and error and sheer determination, I learned how to save this kitten's life. And from then on, it was like a veil was lifted. I started to see cats and kittens everywhere outside. I found more kittens in trees, if you can believe that. I found kittens, you know, in alleyways and under grills and on people's porches. People started calling me and one thing led to the next and I became the kitten lady where it was like, I learned, I heard that you know how to save kittens. I started caring for kittens that I would find outside, usually was how it started. Then I would care for kittens that other people found outside and would call me. Eventually, it dawned on me, all these kittens are coming from outside. (laughs) Like, what's that about? Why are there all these kittens outside? 
Um, I think it's, it's really interesting because I, I definitely came from a place then where I thought people were dumping kittens outside. And of course, now when people say to me, you know, who's dumping all these kittens outside? I say, you know, who, who puts kittens outside is, is community cats. Uh, but I didn't start there. I really started with kittens. I eventually moved to North Carolina where I got a lot more involved in the sheltering world. So I moved down there and I started offering to shelters that I would like to help them with their orphan kittens. And I started to really see the connection between kittens that were coming from outside and spaying and neutering those cats that are producing those kittens. Um, so I got a little bit more involved while I was there in not only the kittens, but also the cats in those communities. Um, from there, I moved to D.C. While doing all of this as a volunteer, I also started to make it more of my career. And I've been fortunate to be able to work full time as an animal advocate for many years now. Um, whether that's traveling and you know teaching workshops or developing programs, uh, I do a lot of humane education, a lot of program development, uh, and it's just kind of led to the next thing and the next thing until now. I mean, I just I live and breathe cat advocacy. That's what I do. So, being the kitten lady, and I want to know when you were first, I guess, given that title. I mean, who who bestowed that title on you, or? <laughs> Is it something that you just I think it's declared? because people would say, oh, you're a cat lady. And I was like, well, but I'm not. Like, I don't, I don't really foster cats. I help community cats, but I primarily help kittens. So I used to just say, like, if people said, oh, you're a cat lady. I was like, I'm not a cat lady. I'm a kitten lady. <laughs> you know? It's, Good point. It's different. Yeah. Um, but it was something I heard a lot of the time. Oh, like, that, that kitten lady. Like, she's the kitten lady. You know? So kitten lady, really, that project started just because I wanted to document to show people some of the work I was doing. I think when I found my first orphan kitten, I was pretty horrified to see how few resources there were to help them. You know, if I was a person who didn't want to help her, there was really nowhere for me to take her. The first one that I had found, uh, I discovered that very quickly that also there weren't a lot of great resources out there to teach me how to help her. So I started Kitten Lady as just a social media project initially to sort of show people, okay, if you find an orphan, here's what you can do, you know, to give people some basic instructionals, to give people a little bit of inspiring stuff about how, you know, this can be fun to give a little bit of levity to the rescue work. Cause I think sometimes people think it's scary to get involved in, you know, and I try to make things really accessible for people. So Kitten Lady was just the name of a social media project I started to showcase what I do and show the transformation of, you know, a, a one day old orphan and how do you get them from one day old to eight weeks and adopted. So that is my project Kitten Lady, but it has grown substantially to the point that now I'm able to do that as my work where, you know, I have an organization by that name now. And Kitten Lady is an organization that provides all sorts of resources, both on my website and on my social media, in addition to the work that I do traveling around and training shelters and, you know, training communities to get involved. So can you describe to me a little bit what your kitten workshops are? I have several different workshops that I offer, and I really try to tailor things to the community that I'm in. So usually if I'm going to teach a workshop, I will have a phone call, whether it's with the shelter director or the rescue director, or, you know, I even teach at cat cafes and things like that. So I'll try to get a hold on, you know, what are the issues in that community? Is it a shelter that is trying to just revamp their foster program, or maybe they have never had orphans 
uh, as part of their foster program before, or maybe it is a community that doesn't even have a foster program. So I'll kind of get a hold on what's going on in that community, and then I will tailor my workshops to them. But my most standard kitten workshop that I offer is a workshop that gives you kind of a 101 of start to finish. How do you prepare to save a kitten? You know, how do you prepare your home? How do you set up your life in a way that this is sustainable? Then I go through everything from, you know, the feeding to some of the medical care, some of what to expect with bathroom business and stuff like that, that can feel really scary to people. Um, So kind of the what to expect, what supplies do you need? How do you do this in a sustainable way? I do talk quite a bit about self-care and compassion fatigue, because Mm -hmm. I think that that is a really important uh, and often overlooked subject when we're talking about this stuff is just preparing people with some tools that, you know, this can be something that can be emotional work. And, you know, if you can fortify yourself with a little bit of preparation and self-care, it'll do a lot to help you, you know, be able to continue on in the work you do. So I talk a lot about how to do this work in a really sustainable way and how to set boundaries so that, you know, you don't take on more than you can do and inevitably burn out. So I talk about all those things, but actually my kitten workshop starts with about 20 minutes of me just giving an overview of kind of like who cats are. I know that sounds really silly because everybody thinks they know who cats are, but I think a lot of people don't. So I actually talk about community cats a lot in my kitten workshop because most people don't even realize that that's where these orphans are coming from is community cats. So really to take a well-rounded approach, any person who cares about kittens has to also care about community cats because they're so intrinsically related. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Accidental Exiles by Bruce Perry. Jesse McAllister, a young Texan and a rock war vet, escapes to Europe where he seeks a new direction and to heal his desert wounds. Wandering the streets of Ascona, Switzerland, he meets and falls in love with a beautiful Italian waitress named Sonia Altarelli. Since the horrors of combat he encountered with a boyhood friend, Jesse will have nothing more to do with war. This story is his farewell to arms. Check out Accidental Exiles on Amazon.com today. Are you starting to think about that special holiday gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping Community Cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats Grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. It's interesting you brought up basically compassion fatigue. We had Jennifer Plow on episode number 78 a couple of weeks earlier. She's a compassion fatigue expert. And certainly with the 20 years that I've been in this business, I've certainly hit the wall multiple times. And I'm sure you probably have. And yeah. it's hard to identify and know how to handle it when it kind of comes at you. But if you have some sense of it coming and knowledge about it ahead of time, maybe maybe we can help others better than we could. I certainly 
when I had a little kid at home and lots of foster cats and running a shelter and cats that needed to be trapped, I certainly spent a long time in the shower, oftentimes trying to just get away from it all. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely relate to that. And I think it's something people are ashamed to talk about, especially on social media where everything I do, it looks so fun. It's like, you know, putting little paper hats on top of a kitten because it's his one week birthday, like all of that stuff. It doesn't show the difficult side of this. Sometimes I do try to uh, distill some of those messages and share with people that this can be hard. You know, when you're working with such a vulnerable population, like orphan kittens, you inevitably do lose some of them. And that can be very challenging. So, you know, a few years ago, I actually I experienced a major burnout where I was like, you know, you question yourself, you question, is this for me? Can I really do this? You know, I feel, I think a lot of people feel a lot of guilt when a kitten passes away in their care. Um, I have really, really taken steps to have a plan in place. I think if you have a plan in place, then it helps so much. So if I have a kitten that passes away in my care, I allow myself to really feel that for one hour. I let myself just be very upset for one hour. Um, and then, you know, I let myself deal with it that day and say, okay, I'm going to like whatever it is, if, if that kitten needs a necropsy or if that kitten needs to be buried or whatever it is, I deal with that for one day. And then I wake up the next morning and I move on. And that's not to lack compassion for that animal, but it is because I think it is so important. When I think now about, you know, if I had stopped five years ago, how many lives I would not have been able to save. You know, you learn so much every year that I do this. I learn so much and I do, you know, improve every year. I try to just tell people, do what you can. If you do lose an animal, take a deep breath, let yourself feel it for a moment, but don't dwell. Give yourself a little break and then move on to the next life because there's so many lives out there that need us. So when you were talking about community cat advocacy, you've incorporated it into your workshops, which is fantastic. But you also were involved with creating some community cat programs um, in the past too. I think kittens and community cats go hand in hand. So a large part of my career has been traveling around the country and helping create programs or helping to create policies that allow programs to exist. Because a lot of the time people in the community don't even realize that there are so many barriers to being able to do this sometimes. So I've been fortunate to be in a position where I can actually look at what are the animal ordinances in this community who are all of the people who are involved at the table and to go in and kind of facilitate community discussion amongst policymakers and rescuers and shelter administrators to help create some of those programs. So I've been really fortunate to be able to do that all over the country. And in the last year, I've actually been doing a lot of consulting work with different organizations to help them create even clinics. So I helped an organization create a TNR clinic this year. So it's it's really nice to be able to take that experience that I have from seeing it all over the country and help people not have to reinvent the wheel every single time. Cause I think everybody feels so lost with this stuff. Sometimes people feel like their situation is very unique. And after you travel around the country enough times seeing what communities are dealing with, with community cats, it's really not that unique city to city. You know, you usually have the same components of uh, the same concerns from the community, the same people, the desires and the concerns that can really be alleviated with just a little bit of humane education, 
a little bit of resource creation and then just, you know, making it happen. Yeah, I've been I've been involved on the program development side, on the education side. And now that I'm focusing on my project Kitten Lady, uh, I always try to make sure that I'm bringing that component in. So if I work with a shelter, I am telling them when you're getting in kittens and when we're creating this kitten program, it's really essential that you not only say, okay, we're going to save this kitten, but that you find out where did the kitten come from and have somebody go out and check out what's going on there. Because guarantee if you have a litter of kittens coming in from somewhere, there's cats there that are reproducing. And so it's so much more effective if you're creating a kitten program, if you're simultaneously kind of hand in hand doing a TNR program at the same time. Yeah, so we, we talk about in, in communities having their toolkit of different programs or resources that are necessary in order for that community to be able to be successful, because sometimes communities are short on enough spay-neuter capacity, so it's great to hear that you're helping community develop a TNR clinic, and and other areas, they're short on volunteers, or they're short on staff, or they're short on building if they need a, you know, an area to hold cats or a small shelter. I mean, some areas don't even have a shelter to help support the community. So there's a whole range of different items for the toolkit in order to be uh, successful. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see like place to place, how the needs are really different. Like some places I will go and I'll facilitate discussions in that community and I will learn the craziest stuff. Like in some communities, there's a lot of concerns about coyotes. And I live in DC. We don't have concerns <laughs> about coyotes in DC. Um, in other communities, like if you're in New York City, people are concerned because they don't have the transportation or they don't have the physical space. You know, for some people, right. just even just putting one cat overnight in their apartment can really be hard, where in other places in the country, that's not an issue. So yes. it's fascinating. I've even internationally been taking a look at some of this stuff. I was in Iceland last year and I was there on my birthday. And of course, on my birthday in Iceland, the only thing I wanted to do was find a cat person <laughs> to, <laughs> to talk to. There's like very, very few people. There's no animal shelters in Iceland, but there's one woman who does TNR and she also does rescue work. And I went to her and like just learning about the issues they have there. It's so fascinating because really it can vary place to place what the resources are, but the situation is often the same just in terms of the questions that people have about just the basic stuff. Is it okay for cats to be outside? Are they going to be all right? What do I do if they're on my neighbor's lawn and they're complaining? You know, these are the, the core issues that people have every single place. And then it's just a matter of looking at in that community, how do you put those pieces together to help it out? Thank you for listening to a Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 